Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. 
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert Monday through Thursday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, and Friday at 10.30 p.m. Pacific, on Ground Zero Dot Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can also search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player or application and listen to the show for free after the initial broadcast. You can check out our website for that same free archive or subscribe to the ad-free version of our show, which gets you access to the montages, my digital books, a private RSS feed, and more at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's www.thesecretteachings.info. New York State has become the sixth state in the union to legalize something called human composting. I read about this the other day, and I remember doing a show, very distinctly doing a show called Soiled Green, a couple of years ago when the state of Washington and Oregon legalized composting of the human body. But New York now is the sixth state. It's not just Washington, Oregon, and New York. It's also Colorado, Vermont, and California. Now, on the surface, no pun intended, composting the human body doesn't necessarily sound like a bad thing. A lot of proponents of composting a human body believe that we are all of the earth. We are all made of stardust. So let's just put the body back in the earth without all of the embalming fluid without all of the wood and the concrete and the metal that goes into burial every single year. It's estimated, according to the Green Burial Council, 5 million gallons of embalming fluid, tens of billions of feet of hard wood, millions of tons of concrete, tens of thousands of tons of metal, including bronze, every single year are used to bury our dead. So rather than using all those resources... Rather than using all of those chemicals like formaldehyde, why don't we just put the body in the ground in a container with straw and other kinds of things like wood chips, scraps, and compost the body? I can admit that for me, that even sounds like kind of maybe a good idea. It even sounds natural to some degree. The process of human composting involves straw, wood chips, etc., put into a container. It allows the body to decompose over time. You could even do this at home, in your backyard. Your husband, your wife, God forbid your child, somebody that you know close to you, someone who lives with you, dies. Put them in a container, throw some wood chips in, let the body decompose. Human composting. Maybe you could even grow some vegetables. Maybe you could even grow a few things in your backyard, some flowers, where the body and the compostable casket, although it's not really a casket, is placed in the yard. This is touted as a green form of dealing with death, one in which carbon emissions can be reduced from processes such as cremation, which, since that involves fuel used to fire the body, 
Each cremation is estimated to produce 540 pounds of carbon dioxide. A typical burial, as I said, uses embalming fluid, concrete, wood, etc. A lot of resources. Despite the fact that it all sounds green, despite the fact that it's a green form of dealing with death, that's how it's touted, human composting has some opponents. Now, on the surface, if you just listened to the six states that I mentioned, Oregon, Vermont, Colorado, Washington, California, and New York, you'd think perhaps politically these are very liberal states. And obviously, liberals at least used to want clean water and non-genetically modified food, maybe even organic food, and they believed in doing things that were in harmony with the earth. Now, that's changed quite dramatically in the last couple of years. Liberals are proponents of war, proponents of genetically modified foods, proponents of geoengineering, which was denied to even exist for decades. But liberals are still with a bleeding heart on their shoulder, concerned about what happens to the body after it dies. And they'd like to go back to source, put the body in the ground, let it compost, no big deal. The opponents of this idea, you don't hear a lot of what they have to say because, well, the mainstream media touts this as a positive thing, whether you're reading Newsweek, one of the articles I have, or you're reading about other forms of green burial, including mushroom coffins from CNN, another article I have, or we're talking about different types of burials around the world. They're not all necessarily quote-unquote green, but aquamation, which is a water cremation, basically very hot water, and about 95% hot water, 350 degrees hot water, and a little bit of potassium hydroxide, and the body dissolves in the water. Other types of burials include a general green burial. A uh, generally green burial would be you just don't use these chemicals you don't use the, the materials and uh, you put the body in some kind of biodegradable casket and you just let it go in the ground, which I'm, I'm kind of OK with that. I like that idea. You, you can still have the, you know, the classical funeral. You can still have people that come and mourn. It's just like a regular funeral, but you're not using all the chemicals and all the resources. It's more of a natural death, if you will. Uh, I think the thing that distinguishes that from human composting is, although some might argue that human composting is resourceful, it really degrades and limits how we are able to see and, and interpret and perceive the human body, which is where a lot of the opponents come from, spiritual and religious places. So the idea is that not only is the human body dirty and sickly, you're going to get people diseases and polluting. You're killing the planet. You're killing the animals. You're killing the, the flowers and the trees, although they love carbon dioxide and they're really happy about having more of it. But this is the idea politically, and this is the idea on, you know, in media. This is how the human is painted. You're sick. You're emitting pollutants. You're dirty, etc. So the idea is not only that the human body and the human being is dirty and sick and polluting while alive. But even after death, you continue to destroy the planet. 
That's why carbon dioxide is the focus rather than the simple notion, although some certainly argue it, that we should just be reabsorbed into the earth. And they do have burials for that. It's just called a green burial. And personally, I can get behind that idea. Human composting, a little bit different though. Now, certainly if we psychoanalyze this, some people that oppose human composting oppose it because psychologically speaking, we're talking about getting at the root core of their insecurities. It's the same reason that I've made this argument myself that a lot of people mourn at funerals. It's not necessarily because they're mourning for the dead. They're mourning for their loved one. I'm not saying that's not what people are doing. That's 99% of the time what people are doing. But I think part of it, even if it's buried deep down inside of you, has a lot to do with your own mortality, knowing that you're going to die one day. I've, I've been of the opinion that perhaps we should celebrate funerals and maybe we should mourn birth. I don't actually believe that, but it's just a new twist and a, a different look at things. Uh, however, that idea is, I think, precisely the foundation for this green death movement, for the composting of the human body. It's reducing the divinity of the soul and spirit vessel to that of something you can sprinkle on your lawn so that you could grow some flowers or some vegetables. And maybe that's, maybe that's still a positive thing. I'm leaving that up to you to decide tonight on The Secret Teachings. But I have quite a bit of information to share with you before you make up your mind. And I would love to hear what you have to say if you want to email us rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. So there's no doubt, again, that modern funerary practices use toxic chemicals and other resources. That's not being called into question. In fact, uh, modern funerary practices, just like less than modern, non-modern practices, have always used these types of chemicals and resources to bury the dead, whether it's in wood coffins, uh, it's uh, very toxic chemicals, uh, formaldehyde, which is very poisonous, which is also in a lot of flu vaccines as well. That says, it says so on the CDC's website. Uh, these things are, are probably not good to play around with. They're probably not good to inject into a bunch of bodies and put them in the ground. It's a lot of chemicals, a lot of things that just unnaturally rot away uh, in the ground over time. I think they say it takes 20 years for a wood casket to kind of dissolve. We obviously use fiberglass caskets, caskets and other kinds of materials today, so they don't kind of dissolve or biodegrade as quickly. Even though wood is a renewable resource and wood is uh, not not an ungreened thing, uh, but that's kind of, kind of a separate uh, train of thought. If you have all these things that are being used why not reduce them and become more modern in our approach to death? That's what some believe they're doing, human composting. But I don't think that this is about anything green. And I'll tell you why I don't think this is about anything green in the real sense of what that implies. Uh, I guess first and foremost, the word green has a lot of meaning. Uh, and, and a lot of meaning can be derived from it. If you're talking to someone who is an environmentalist, green means don't drive your car or drive a Prius. 
which isn't any better if we're talking about cars and pollution and whatnot. But drive a Prius, drive something that gets really good gas mileage, buy green products, even if they just are labeled as such, they don't, that doesn't have any meaning. Uh, make sure that you tell everybody that you're a good person because you have a Prius or because you have an electric car. Now, that's the new cool thing. Uh, that's what green is for some people. It's an ego trip. It's a power trip. Now, for other people, green means something different. For me, I guess you could call how I live pretty green. I live resourceful. I don't really, I, I don't really spend a lot of resources. Um, I live very simply, and that's all by choice. Uh, because the simpler I live, then the more I can stretch my money and the less I have to put energy into companies and corporations and now I've, I'm, I've been able to become successful at radio, but before the last couple of years, I used to have to work a second job to be able to support this financially. And uh, the less, you know, extravagantly I live, the more I could stretch that work and put it into this show. So that's the reason I live this way. I'd consider it kind of green because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very close, certainly not a minimalist, but I'm, I'm close to that. I guess I'm kind of in between. That's how I would define green. I don't need to tell people that. Uh, that I'm a good person. I don't need to tell people I used to take the bus and walk all the time until I got a car. And even then I have an old car. I used to have a Prius too. Um, better, better gas mileage. Uh, this isn't about green things though. This is about ideology. And I can prove it to you because Micah Truman, the CEO of Washington-based human composting company Return Home, maybe Micah is a good guy. He said a single cremation typically uses almost 30 gallons of fuel and emits an estimated 540 pounds of carbon dioxide. And that carbon dioxide, he says, is going right into the atmosphere. And a person's ashes are, of course, not very useful to the earth, he adds and concludes with. So a cremation, because of the burning of fuel... On average, it's about 30 gallons, is dangerous for the planet. That's the idea. Now, the strange thing is, 540 pounds of carbon dioxide, maybe that's a lot, maybe that's not a lot. I mean, that's your final hoorah, right? If you're dead, the last thing that you're going to contribute to planet Earth is 540 pounds of carbon dioxide. That's, that's what they're saying, that you are... You know, in, on your way out, you're leaving the earth with 540 pounds of CO2. Now, if you look at, for example, and I saw this estimated, it was like, they, they say it's like a 600-mile car trip is basically the equivalent of what you're saving the earth by not being cremated. Um, if you look at two things, if you look at one, a green burial, where you are put into a, a, a biodegradable casket, there's no embalming fluid, and there's no, I, I, from what I understand, there's no like synthetic anything. There's no artificial anything. You, I guess you get buried naked in something that's totally 100% biodegradable. Put that in the ground. To me, I like that idea. Personally, I like that idea. Uh, that sounds, that sounds kind of the. That's the kind of the way I feel. Uh, just very natural, uh, very clean, very straightforward. That would eliminate the need for cremation. But they go a step further. That they want. Human composting. That this is what this is what confuses me. 
You already have processes by which you don't use the fuel and you don't use the embalming fluid and you don't use the, the synthetic materials uh, or you don't use the resources at the very least, even if they're the renewable resources like wood. We already have that, but they want to go, they want to go further. They want to go into human composting. So the other thing is 540 pounds of carbon dioxide for a single person, for someone to be cremated, for the family to keep the ashes in an urn and to keep that in the house, you know, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, even a dog or a cat, or again, God forbid, a child, you know, there's, there's cultural and psychological and mental and spiritual uh, energy there and, this, and perhaps necessity there for some people. So to suggest that cremation is a very dangerous thing for the environment is very tone deaf because some people need that. They need the, the ashes of their loved one uh, and they would like to keep that as kind of a shrine and, and kind of a memory. The second thing, though, I said there are two things. The second thing is, how about a private jet? A private jet emits, on average, two metric tons of carbon dioxide per hour. Per hour. So you could have multiple cremations, and you still would not emit as much CO2 as a single private jet. So let's look at it this way. Bill Gates hops on one of his private jets. Al Gore hops on one of his private jets. Our transportation secretary, Pete Booty Gig or Poot Giddy Jig or whatever his name is. And I mean that seriously. I don't even keep this guy's name in my head. It's Pete something. Uh, Pete Booty Gig. He, uh, he has a private jet he flies around on. One flight for one hour, just a quick commute emits more CO2, way more CO2, than if you and your mom and your dad and, you know, your brother all died, or your sister all died, a family of four all died and were all cremated, a private jet on average emits two metric tons of CO2 an hour. Just per hour. A typical private jet flight emits more CO2 than if your whole family, all four of you, maybe five or six of you, were cremated. Try to put that into context. Try to put that into the equation here. And, and, and think about what that means and what that implies. I mean, it's, it's pretty, I mean, you can't say exactly how much CO2 comes out of a, out of a plane, but you can estimate it. They estimate two metric tons. A metric ton is about 2,200 pounds. So it's slightly more, a one-hour private jet flight is slightly more polluting than if you and three family members were cremated. And yet, there's nothing in this Newsweek article, there's nothing from the CEO of Return Home about how devastating a private jet is to the environment. It's just about how when your loved one dies, and you want to keep them in an urn, and you want to honor them, and you want to keep their memory physically, that's really harmful to the planet. You know that emits 540 pounds of carbon dioxide. Okay, well, two people, that's 1,080 pounds, again, rough estimates. Uh, double it again. Uh, that's 2,160. I think I got my math right. 2,160. That's, that's quite a bit of CO2, but it's still less 
than what your average private jet emits in a single hour. Now, that is the perspective that you probably won't get on most news shows. Maybe you get that on Tucker Carlson. You probably get that on Alex Jones. You'll probably get that on Ground Zero. You don't get it many places because people would rather talk about the politics of it. Uh, people would rather talk about you know their, their views on how they either support or they totally disagree with the Green Movement uh, or whatever you want to call it. Personally, I like the idea of a green funeral. I like the idea of just put me naked in a biodegradable thing, put me in the ground, no, no embalming fluid. I like that idea. I'm not even necessarily opposed to put me in a pod and make me a tree. That's something else we're going to talk about tonight. But when it all boils down to the reason we have companies like Return Home is because of CO2, then the issue we realize is not really about cremation fuel. It's not really about embalming fluid. It's not really about green things. Because, you know, if I want to have a green funeral. I think you can't get much greener than a naked body in a biodegradable casket. And obviously you have to ask the other question, is the body really totally natural with all the things we put into it? Chemicals, drugs, foods, and things that aren't even food all the preservatives, like what effect does that have on the environment? But that's, that's never addressed. 540 pounds of carbon dioxide, though, is the issue that these companies are concerned with. They're not, con- they're not really concerned with green things. They're concerned with the CO2. They're obsessed with the CO2. Uh, they are com- compulsive about the CO2. And no comment, no concern over the private jet flights. Uh, So there is a hypocrisy here, and there is inconsistency here. And that is all just par for the course for the green movement. Uh, That's all par for the course for anything that is labeled green. When we come back from break, we're going to look at some of the other methods and modes of getting rid of a human body, other ways to have funerals that are more quote-unquote green, And then we're going to talk about what exactly the opposition is to these things. Because whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, or a Jew, everybody tends to agree that the body is sacred. Muslims don't think that the body and the spirit are separate. And if you know a Muslim who doesn't think that, I'm sure there's a lot of denominations of Islam that, just like Christianity, you know, different people believe different things, but generally speaking, in Islam, they don't believe there's a separation between body and spirit. That's a very Western idea. Uh, it's very Greek. Uh, it's very Christian. But Christians and Jews and Muslims all do agree the body is sacred, as is the blood, and therefore it should be preserved as such after death. The body is basically a, a, um, a vessel, more of the Western idea, a vessel, and something that is put on lease, from God. But with modern scientific materialism, animation of the corporeal is reduced to a spiritual fiction. And that's really, I think, at the the core here of tonight's issue, the green death. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, the music white bat audio. There's a lot more after this. Check us out on Twitter, TST underscore underscore radio and Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings for more of The Secret Teachings. There's more right after this break. Don't go anywhere. 
It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. That, that is not my future. I'm not going to be buried in a grave. When I'm dead, just throw me in the trash. You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. When I'm dead, just throw me in the trash. kind of like that idea. Just put me in the ground. I don't need embalming fluid. I don't need all of the fancy, expensive, funerary-type services. But those really aren't for me. They're for my loved ones. And part of the reason people mourn somebody's death is there's no doubt about it. It's a deeply rooted psychological thing. It is fear of one's own mortality. Perhaps also in a spiritual way, fear of maybe where their loved one went after death. But that's not the whole of what a funeral is about. That's not the whole of what all of these practices and rituals are about. It's meant to honor the dead, preserving the body, honoring the dead, remembering the dead, etc. Practices like cremation, for example. You can keep the ashes in your home, put them in a sacred place, put them in a private place, or make a place sacred with the ashes of your, your mom or your dad or your grandma, your grandma, whoever, whatever. God forbid a child. When you have all of these practices of putting bodies in the ground with embalming fluid and using metals and wood and all kinds of things, uh, that can get really, really expensive. So there is absolutely, without a doubt, a, a major industry 
that profits from death. And all the uh, funeral homes and companies that make caskets and headstones, that stuff's really expensive. And even if I had that kind of money sitting aside for when I died, I just, I don't like the idea of those things. So I get where people are coming from when they say, let's, let's do a human composting. Let's just compost the body. I get it. I understand it. It actually kind of makes sense. Like we come from the earth, so let's just be reabsorbed back into the earth. Put me in a little container, put some straw, some wood chips into it, and let my body decompose over time. There's something morbid about it, though. And there's something that makes, well, it makes me feel, I imagine it makes other people feel the same way. I've seen other people say it, too. It makes me kind of feel soylent greenish, as if bodies could be used to fertilize fields in the future. Or perhaps bodies are used to fertilize fields right now, not in the future, but right now. In fact, there is in Texas a body farm, the largest body farm in the United States, on Freeman Ranch at Texas State University. The body farm is responsible for massive developments in criminal science and the study of death or thanatology. It's aided in critical discoveries, including the microbial clock, a process by which time of death can be precisely identified by examining the posthumous microbiome. So the human farm can be used not only to grow food, but it can be used to advance, quote, science. And that's probably a good thing, just like the people that donate their bodies to science. Probably a good thing. Probably helps a lot of people. But whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, a Buddhist, whatever you are, you probably know about these other religions, even if you're not religious. They all agree on one thing for sure. They all agree that the body is sacred. Much like how the blood is sacred. And therefore, it should be preserved after death. So, there are a lot of different elements and a lot of different components to death and a funeral. You've got companies that make a lot of money off of this. Maybe that's greed. Maybe it's not greed. It's up for you to decide. You've got relatives that mourn. And part of that mourning is because they are mourning the loss of their loved one. Perhaps they're worried about their eternal salvation. Perhaps it's about their own mortality, that they're also going to die one day. But then maybe that makes them happy because then they'll be reunited with this loved one. It's not all one thing or another. It's not polarizing. So you get all of these elements when you're talking about death and you're talking about a funeral. When you're talking about the particular kind of practices, very specific kind of practices, whether it's cremation, or you're just going to go the traditional route of embalming fluid, which I don't like that myself. I think that's very toxic and polluting, and I don't like that. Uh, I also avoid um, vaccines because of the same reason they put formaldehyde in vaccines. If you don't believe me, look it up. It's on the CDC's website, and not only a little bit, a large dose, and the CDC tells you children and the elderly should stay away from formaldehyde more than even you know uh, just people in general, usually the young and the elderly. And the reason for that is because it's more d- dangerous and more toxic to children and the elderly. 
And yet children and the elderly are the ones that they push the flu shot on, which is 16% effective uh, more than other groups. So that's kind of weird. But that's the reason I stay away from formaldehyde. Formaldehyde is, is not something that you want uh, in your body or you know, around your body. You don't want to inhale it, etc. Now, you're dead. So what does it matter? Well, if you're dead, it doesn't affect your body per se. It preserves it. But eventually, I guess, depending on the quality of the casket, that's going to get into the into the ground, into the earth. That's not very green, right? So the second um, the second option is cremation, which is and was considered kind of green for a little bit. And then people estimated how much fuel it burns, about 30 gallons of fuel, and how much CO2 it emits. And they said, no, we got to compost the body now. Which, again, I kind of understand the concept. I think we just skipped over the whole part where we could just put the body naked into a biodegradable container, put it in the ground, and still have the same funeral process, the last words, maybe a religious official overseeing it, family getting together. You could still do all that with a casket and, and just put the naked body. and You couldn't have an open casket. I mean, maybe you could if you're okay with the naked body. But you could still do all those things. But we jumped from that to just the traditional form of burial and cremation. We jumped from all those things, and again, cremation was kind of green, to let's just compost the body. But the reason that people have an issue with this, the reason that I take an issue with this, although I'm not a Christian, although I'm not a Muslim, although I'm not a Jew, all three of those major world religions and others as well, Buddhism, I think we should probably start to include. It's one of the world's largest religions. Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and especially Buddhism all agree that the body is sacred. They all agree that the blood, especially Christians, that the blood is sacred. It belongs to God, in fact. And therefore, it should be preserved. The body should be preserved after death. If you read the Bible, if you read the Quran, I mean, hell, if you read pretty much any religious text, any spiritual text, if you read things that are considered occult, you will find all throughout the texts, all throughout the pages, all throughout the chapters and the sections, you will find mentions of cleanliness, cleaning the body, cleaning the mind, cleaning the soul, if you will. You will find information on exercise and keeping your mind and body active. And you will find references to the preservation of the body after death because the body is sacred in virtually every single spiritual practice. Now, not every single spiritual practice believes this. Uh, There are some spiritual practices that you might not consider to be spiritual. You might consider them to be extremely morbid and even satanic. But there are, I'm sure there are plenty of uncontacted tribes. There are plenty of uncontacted and contacted tribes that we've learned over the last couple hundred years still practice a form of cannibalism. Now, they don't just barbarically eat people. I mean, maybe some do. Uh, Some tribes consume and they'll have not relatives, but they'll have friends of the family consume the body of a loved one because they believe that if you eat the body, and not all of it, just parts of it, because they know what parts will, like you don't eat the brain, um, you don't eat certain organs. But if you eat the body, it'll preserve 
the essence of that person and it will provide them a warm place to rest in, instead of putting the body in, uh, into the ground to, to rot in this cold, hard earth. Now, you might not agree with that, but again, I, I understand the concept of that. I read this book on cannibalism and the, the person who wrote it wasn't arguing this. They were just saying these are the traditions. And I, when I read that, I thought, well, that makes sense. I understand the concept of it. And I, I'm, I'm not able to judge what some tribe in the middle of the jungle believes and does. Um, I think it's actually pretty sophisticated for people that are not advanced in contemporary terms. It's a pretty advanced spiritual practice. It's not just total barbarism. Uh, then you get the magical side to that. You get the sympathetic magic where people would eat uh, their opponents in combat. And I'm not saying they ate the whole body. They might have a bite. You know, they might have a bite because they believe they're going to absorb the essence of that warrior. So there are lots of reasons people do those things. Uh, they might be seen as morbid. Um, I'm, certainly there are cultures around the world that see what we do in the West as morbid. Uh, putting the body on display taking the body and, and cremating it. You know, cultures have different beliefs enshrined in them. Cultures have different, um, different foundations, different viewpoints, different practices. So whether you're in the West or you're in the East or in the, in the Middle East, we, we obviously have to, to recognize, or I should say we have to recognize that obviously people have different opinions and different practices. But the, the bottom line is most spiritual practices Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, etc., all tend to agree that the body is sacred. And because the body is sacred, it should be preserved. And however it's preserved, it might not have to be with embalming fluid. That It's not like a biblical verse or something, thou shalt put embalming fluid in the dead body. But it should be preserved in some way. Now that could mean physically preserved. That could mean in memory preserved, which means cremation is perhaps a good option because you can keep the urn right there uh, over your fireplace or, you know, on that table by, by uh, you know, your, your living room couch or whatever. Uh, but it's the idea of keeping that, that person, that spirit, that body in memory. And some people find urns morbid. So, you know, and that's in Western tradition, we have so many different viewpoints, spiritual practices uh, from different parts of the world. They also have similar and different practices for funerals and for death. But, but generally speaking and spiritually speaking, it's all pretty much based on the same idea. The body is a sacred vessel. Uh, the body is, well, the body is a temple. So I went to the Bible. I also went to the Quran. Uh, I went to the Bible which, by the way, if you never read the Quran, the Quran is way more scientifically written than the Bible is. A lot of people scoff at the Quran, and oh, you can people say, "Oh, you can find just the Book of Infidels." Well, if you read the Quran, it's actually a really scientific book. It actually describes Genesis scientifically, kind of like the Celtic and Egyptian texts known as the Cauldron Bible. It describes the plagues of Egypt from a scientific observation, which is really fascinating, especially if, you, if you've if you read the Bible or you at least know the stories that are told in the Bible. You find the similar similar kinds of stories in the Quran, which, where you also have the same biblical characters mentioned. So, if, and, and if for people, I'm just saying for people that think that it's a, a book of infidels, 
it's really strange because not only is it scientific, which is kind of the opposite of infidels and barbarians, but uh, the Quran houses many of the same concepts that you find in the Bible. Uh, and if you want to pick and choose Bible verses and statements from the Quran, then I'll refer you to Corinthians, where in the Bible it says that women should cover their head in the presence of God. And, um, well, there's even an alluding to in the presence of their husband. So if you want to play and go back and forth with these things, then the Bible says the same thing that, you know, you should do the same thing as a Christian that Muslims do for for dignity purposes, cover your head, cover your body. Don't let, you know, certainly don't cut your hair if you're a woman. That's all in the Bible too. So if you want to play around with it, you know, it goes back and forth. But the point is, the Quran is very scientific. The Bible is very scientific as well. Uh, I think the Bible makes a lot more sense to a lot more people, not only because of that whole conquest thing, but because the Bible speaks to us on an archetypical level and not so much of a scientific level. So it, it, makes, it makes more sense to the soul. It's my, my opinion. But the Quran, and I'm not rambling here, the Quran also speaks in that way. Uh, again, it probably matters whether or not you grew up with you know, Islam or Christianity or Judaism, whatever you grew up with, it's probably going to speak more to you as well. So there's six Bible verses, six Bible verses. Obviously, if you go to Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them, meaning that we are created in the image of God. We are semi-divine, and the body is a vessel for the soul. 1 Samuel 16, 7, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So this is that Western idea again, a very Greek idea, that the body is separate from the soul, the soul is separate from the body, the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Obviously, the Lord is judging us based on our actions, based even, some might argue, on our thoughts. So the Lord is looking internally. This Lord, or this King, this God that Christians worship, is basically Anubis. Anubis weighs the heart against the feather. You would think the heart weighs more than the, fe the feather because they're both physical, but if your heart is heavy with sin, then it's going to weigh more. If you've had your sins forgiven, then the, the feather, which is the soul, uh, should weigh more, and therefore you can progress to the next stage of the afterlife. So this is an internal, external thing. This is the physical body versus the soul. 1 Timothy 4.8 for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You've heard people say cleanliness is next to godliness. So godliness, uh, physical training, exercise, and of course, purifying, cleansing. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were brought at a price, or bought at a price, rather. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So this is probably one of the most famous Bible verses, one of the big arguments that Christians use to justify 
their stances against alcohol or sex or whatever. Use your bodies to honor God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is, of course, the soul or the spirit, whatever you choose to call it. One is the seat of the emotions. One is the seat of consciousness. I think, I think it's the same thing, personally. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So that's basically 1 Corinthians. That's basically Genesis, created in God's image, God's masterpiece. He created us anew. We've been born again, and we're supposed, <laughs> excuse me, supposed to do good things for, uh, for God which is honor God with your bodies. And then Psalm 139.14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Again, back to Ephesians, back to Genesis. The body is divine. The body is sacred. You should cleanse your body. You should exercise. That's physical training and godliness. And these are the same ideas that you can find because you know, Jews and Christians use the same kinds of texts, uh, the Torah. Uh, the Christians and Jews believe basically the same thing. Even in Judaism, I think they have a lot of really strict practices uh, with what you can and can't do to the body. I suppose Christians also have those views like no piercings, no tattoos, and every sect has their own views on that. And that's while you're alive. And then after you die, you know, the body is sacred still, and it's been put on lease from God. So it needs to be taken care of and preserved and honored and, and respected. Now, likewise, there is something else inside the body that's not the spirit or the soul, and that is the blood. Blood has always been seen as a sacred thing. Blood is the life force. If semen is the life seed and breast milk is the life nurturing substance, blood is the life force. Leviticus 17, 11 through 14, for the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood or may any foreigner residing among you eat blood. Any Israelite or any foreigner residing among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth because the life of every creature is its blood. That is why I have said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. This is why real Satanists and, well, I would say armchair Satanists, if you will, this is why they, they like the idea of drinking blood. Uh, this is why, in my opinion, Hollywood is so filled with zombies and monsters that drink blood. I mean, that's just like the, the, the basic standard blueprint for evil uh, and for demons, uh, blood drinking and blood baths and things like that, as, you know, as well as feces and urine and you know the, the Belphegor type rituals. So the blood is the life force. The blood is sacred. The blood belongs to God. Now, when I'm reading that to you, if I'm sitting back listening to my own show, I am myself thinking. I am thinking that well, this guy must be a Christian. He's reading these Bible verses. I'm simply reading you from the most popular book ever. I'm reading you the, the basis and the foundation for why Christians and Jews, and for that matter, if you read the Quran, even Muslims believe that the body is a sacred vessel that 
you should exercise, that you should keep yourself clean and well-groomed. If you're a woman, don't cut your hair because that's considered very offensive. And why God looks internally and we look externally for Samuel, meaning that there's a soul and then there's a body. The Muslims don't believe that. They believe it's one and the same. I can get on board with the Muslim view as well. I think that, I mean, conceptually, I understand that the body and the soul are separate, but I understand the Muslim view of just kind of merging it together. And then you also have not just godliness or cleanliness and physical training and exercise, but also dietary cleanliness. Uh, So making sure that your diet, whether that's fasting uh, or it's not eating animal products or it's abstaining from physical pleasures, these are all things that you find in Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. For example, you have Lent, which is the 40-day Christian fast, followed by um, uh, several uh, days where you do eat certain things and don't eat certain things. I've never practiced Lent myself. Judaism has Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which is a, I think that's a 10-day period where you abstain from physical pleasures in an effort to atone for your wrongdoings and to purify the spirit. I, I like that. I like Yom Kippur. Uh, Islam, I've also, it's just weird because I grew up a Christian, but I, I, I kind of, I might actually practice Yom Kippur. Uh, I've actually, with a friend of mine who's Muslim, I did a, a Ramadan fast with her, uh, which is a sacred month of fasting, and it commemorates the revelation of the Quran. And this is when you don't eat any food during sunlight hours. Once the sun goes down, you eat. You don't gorge yourself, but you eat. And it's about self-reflection, spiritual revitalization, and strengthening one's relationship with Allah. Uh, I, I practiced Ramadan with my friend who's, who's Muslim. And uh, not only did I, I feel good about it, uh, I got some perspective on another religion. And I felt like this, because I grew up a Christian, I felt like, hey, this is... This is like what Christians do. It's the same exact thing. Muslims, Christians, and Jews have a lot in common, whether that's Lent, Yom Kippur, or Ramadan. They have a lot in common. Of course, Buddhists and Hindus, they are famous for their fasting. In fact, Buddhists and Hindus, uh, yogis and and, and sages uh, are sometimes famous for not eating at all for months or for years and just sustaining themselves on tea or chewing on bark, or meditation and prana, things like that. Again, exercise, dietary cleanliness, and other things are like if like if you're you know prayers and Muslims go to Mecca and they and they pray and they circle the Kaaba, uh, washing you know your hands and d- different things like this. So whether it's cleanliness of the physical body. Cleanliness of the mind, both of those things can be done with physical uh, practices like cleansing uh, with, with water or cleansing with prayer and asking for forgiveness or dietary practices like not eating meat, abstaining from physical pleasure, Yom Kippur, Lent, Ramadan, uh, and then exercise. Uh, exercise is something that is practiced in every religion or should be. In Christianity, I read you first Timothy, Judaism Uh, This is a Jewish philosopher speaking. So long as one exercises and exerts himself vigorously, no illness will befall him and his physical powers will be strengthened. And in Islam, another another Muslim mystic, the strong believer is more beloved to Allah than the weak believer, but there is goodness in both of them. Uh, Belief 
and exercising that belief, exercising the mind and the body. Uh, of course, in Hindu philosophy and where Buddhism comes from, it's yoga. Uh, it's yogic practices. And I believe they're called tapas or tapas or something, which I know in like, I, I went to, um, I went to this Ethiopian restaurant. It's like an organic Ethiopian restaurant. They have, I think they have tapas. That's like little tiny bowls. But I think in, in Hindu, it's called tapa as well. And it means uh, basically prayer and doing good deeds and things like that. So again, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because the body is a sacred vessel. It's a temple. Purify the mind, purify the body, do it with diet, do it with exercise, do it with prayer, and honor God. Probably not a good idea to use the body as compost. But we will talk about that in more detail when we come back on The Green Death on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, rdgable at yahoo.com. Please subscribe. Please buy a book. Thesecretteachings.info is the website. If you subscribe or buy a book, you keep us on air. More after this. Don't go anywhere. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio and for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Laura. I'm from Las Vegas, and I listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable because he never fails to provide us with great information from various topics on which he's done extensive and thorough research to back him. Thank you for all that you do and all your hard work, Ryan, and thank you for sharing it with the rest of us. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. An Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the fall back to me. 
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Show. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us. You can tune in Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. 10.30 p.m. is the start time. That's Pacific on Friday after Ground Zero and their after show. Here on the Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, we explore a variety of different topics you're new to the show in 2023 you might have noticed that we've jumped around this week we went from the antichrist to obesity to green burials and green funerals tonight on the show try to provide you with some variety on your late night drives or whether you're working or whatever you're doing whenever you're doing it and wherever you're doing it around the world we welcome you to the show and we're happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. I say we. Sometimes people correct me because I don't have anybody that works for me. But we as a network on Ground Zero are happy that you're tuning into The Secret Teachings, Ground Zero, and some of the other shows like Jeremy Scott's show, Into the Paranormal as well. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. The music that you're hearing is one of my favorite songs from White Bat Audio my new favorite songs I put into the lineup. You notice I also kind of changed the intro to the show as well, the song that brings us in. I had to do that to mix things up on occasion. It kind of um, rejuvenates me and uh, gives me uh, gives me a little different kind of an energy to come into the show. So we'll do that once in a while on the, on the broadcast as well. If you're listening in the free archive, by the way, thank you for listening because... When you have to put up with those advertisements that could cut the show off at any time, it is still supporting us because we get that ad revenue, and that also keeps us on air. The Green Death. What is the Green Death? Not the Black Death, the Green Death. Well, New York State, big surprise. New York State, the state that wanted to legalize abortion up until the point of birth. Very liberal state of New York. Actually, it's not very liberal. It's a very conservative state, except for New York City. New York has become the sixth state to legalize human composting. They are the sixth state behind Washington, Colorado, Oregon, Vermont, and California. Now, the process of human composting involves placing straw and wood chips into a container where you place the body. And then over time, a relatively short period of time, because you're not using chemicals, the body begins to decompose. And then, from what I understand, you can use the compost to garden. You can use it to fertilize, uh, you know, maybe a tree in your backyard or something like that. You can use it for whatever. And you can do this at home. It's legal now in these states. Now, for the political-minded people who take a very right-wing approach to this, I tend to be on that 
on that side of the spectrum. I don't like the idea of human composting. For the people that take the right-wing approach to this, they think it's kind of morbid. And I've, I mean, I've read the articles. I listened to a couple of radio and, and TV reports where people were talking about this. Uh, Fox News, CNN, so right, left, whatever. And it, it's basically the, the reason that conservatives don't like this is because it's another stupid liberal thing. It's hippy-dippy and, you know, it's just another one of those libtard ideas. I don't necessarily agree with that. I like the idea of being more natural and trying not to use, not because of climate change, I couldn't care less about that because I don't believe that climate change is occurring because of human activity at all. And if it is, it's so negligent or, or negligible uh, that it's, it, it's just an unseen thing that has no effect on the planet. Um, that's my view. I have a pretty strong stance on that because I've, well, I've, I've read a, a tremendous amount of, of, of science and data on that, and it seems we're heading into an ice age, not a period of where we're all going to die from heat. But that's, I am rambling, that's, I'm digressing, that's not the point. But I, I understand the concept of reducing your, your resource consumption. That's just common sense for me. Save money, work less, makes a lot of sense. You can live more free. But I don't necessarily agree with the idea that it's like some stupid libtard idea, which is kind of the general consensus from the right when they look at something like this. Now, from the left, and you can read a lot more about this because, you know, mainstream news from Newsweek to whoever, they're excited about this. Oh, human composting, it's so green and it's so environmentally friendly and it's, it's wonderful. Um, I'm going to make a prediction right now that it'll turn out that the green composting of the human body is not actually as green as they say that it is. Uh, I'm sure that something will come out that it's there's some process by which they sell these containers or whatever that isn't very green. But nevertheless, uh, I think that if you really want a green funeral, then your best bet is not to have a traditional burial, not to have cremation, not to human compost, but to just have a green burial. I mean, a green burial is something that people have been doing for some time. In fact, humans pretty much been doing this for all of human history. You bury the body in the ground and it, well, it decomposes and you don't necessarily use it for fertilizer. But, you know, this is why we have cemeteries. This is why we have uh, uh, places where we bury our bodies. They're sacred locations. You don't go play around. You don't deface the, the headstones. It's sacred. All a green funeral is, or a green burial is, no embalming fluid, no toxic chemicals, which is right up my alley. That's how I am when I'm alive. That's how I think I'll be when I'm dead. Uh, the grave is dug by hand, so you don't use like a backhoe or something like that. And you, you, you sometimes the relatives choose to dig the hole themselves. It's not even uh, like a, a grave digger. And you don't use any cement in the plot. You only use, if you choose to use a casket, a biodegradable casket. I mean, how biodegradable is a casket really? Even when they're, quote, biodegradable, are they really biodegradable? I don't know. Wicker ones are often used, and the body is placed in an unbleached cloth shroud. And this allows the corpse to decompose naturally, returning its sustenance to the earth. Many green burial grounds also act as wildlife refuges, creating places for animals and plant life to thrive. And it's not because of the fertilizer, 
Uh, but, you know, certainly plants and flowers can grow on top of where the body is. And that's kind of like a natural compost. So it doesn't make any sense to me at all, actually, at, at all, how we can go from, and I believe firmly that modern funerary practices are uh, a, 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 an art form uh, that, and a business that will probably eventually be done away with, like using whale oil to light our homes. Uh, it's expensive, it's toxic, and anybody who's in the business would disagree with me because that's their livelihood, but it's, it's, it's kind of weird. However, uh, we have a green process by which we take care of the body. It was called cremation. And for years, when I was a kid, that was a thing, and maybe you remember this, maybe you don't, but cremation was sold as a green initiative. Not like green initiatives are today, but it was sold as a green initiative. It is, a, it is an alternative to using embalming fluid and to using chemicals and metals and woods and concrete. It's the alternative. It's green. But then some green New Deal-minded person said, hold on a second. How do you fire the, the fire for the cremation? How do you light it and burn it with fuel? And that emits carbon dioxide. So it's not that green after all. True, it's not as green as you might think it is. Just like an electric car isn't as green as you might think it is. An electric car, from start to finish, and considering the fact that you don't drive it your entire life until it completely dissolves, your average electric car is as polluting, if not more polluting, than your average gasoline-powered vehicle. When you factor everything in, from the mining operations and the transport and the energy it goes into production to the average amount of time that you can drive the car until you have to recharge it, which uses, well, at the moment, coal power. Uh, electricity has to come from somewhere. An electric car is worse for the environment than a gasoline-powered car on average. And, and, and in some cases, I guess, depending on the situation, because everybody's a little different how they use their car, how they drive, etc., they could be worse than a gasoline-powered car. Same way with cremation. It's a green thing. I mean, cremation is, was basically the green, um, the green initiative when, it, when it, cremation was first kind of being talked about as a thing. And it was kind of like the, the electric car of its time. And then it turns out, oh, it wasn't so green after all. So cremation, although it's, it's been around for a very, very long time, more recently it's taken on a, this political environmental tone supposed to be green it's not actually that green um i mean if you want to talk about cremation i don't want to give the impression that it's a relatively recent thing uh cremation has been around since well, the end of the last ice age uh, about 3000 bc about 5000 years ago people were cremating bodies or at least scholars think that's the case uh but modern cremation is a little different because we're using fuel so it's a different kind of cremation, and it's been sold more recently as a green thing. Turns out, like electric cars, it's not that green. So some companies have decided, uh, one company called Return Home, it's a composting company for humans, uh, the CEO of that company, Micah Truman, decided to create this company because he says, quote, a single cremation typically uses almost 30 gallons of fuel and emits an estimated 540 pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. 
and a person's ashes are not useful to the earth. Well, they are useful to family members, though. They are useful to moms and dads and brothers and sisters, and they are useful to relatives. They are useful to friends and family. They are useful to people who want to remember you with a physical little item, a totem or something like that, a little talisman. Um, and some people can can be less serious about death. Like I went to, I went to, I've actually been to one funeral, I think in the last five years, and that funeral I went to was a, kind of a friend of mine, kind of a friend. I don't know if he was, um, I mean, he was, okay, so he was a friend, but he wasn't like a close friend. Um, someone that I had known in high school, uh, a couple of grades below me, my, my best friend Joey and I in high school, we knew him playing video games. Uh, we knew him more so through his brother. And him and his brother were very, very overweight, very unhealthy, um, had sleep apnea. And he his sleep apnea machine stopped in the middle of the night. Don't know what exactly happened because I wasn't that close to them, so I don't know exactly what happened. But his sleep apnea machine stopped, and he suffocated and died. The doctor said it was because of covid his brother became suicidal thinking he killed his brother because of masking or vaccines, which is just, I mean, the, the, the doctor who said that should have his license. He, I mean, he sh- that doctor who said that to the family should, should be in jail, as far as I'm concerned. He, he didn't die because of COVID. He died because he suffocated because his sleep apnea machine turned off. And because he was like four, literally the kid was like 400 pounds. That's not an exaggeration. These, this family was huge. So he died. We go to his funeral. They had cremated his body. And, you know, his family's kind of like very comical. His dad was wearing a Toy Story shirt at his, at his kid's funeral. And they, me and my friend Joey and a few other people we knew from high school who were friends with this kid, um, his mom uh, brought over some of his closer friends, brought over little things of ashes and gave the ashes to them. And uh, one of one of our friends who's kind of like, He's had a lot of drug problems and he smokes a lot. And, 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 and our friends, his friend was named Tommy. His, his mom came over to, to our other friend, Matt, and gave him the ashes and said, no, Matt, don't smoke these. It was just kind of, was kind of like, you know, her son died, but it's a playful thing. He's not miserable. He's not in pain anymore. So, I mean, th- those, are, those are the kinds of, it's not just the stages of grief, but those are the kinds of things that when you take a look at when somebody dies, you know, there's there's mourning, there's grief, it, not only for the person, but for their soul, not only for the person, their soul, but also for your own mortality. But then there's also kind of, you know, a relief uh, factor because that person, if they were suffering, if they were 400 pounds and couldn't breathe all the time because their, their the, the fat was around their neck and their lungs and they literally could not breathe because of how big they were, then it's a relief that they're passed away, that they're dead. And, you know, they, they don't have to suffer anymore. At least we, we hope they don't have to suffer. So, Cremation was a green thing, and it has been a green thing for freaking 5,000 years. But now cremation, because of the fuel we use, is considered not so green. So companies like Return Home want to use the body for composting. New York State has legalized natural organic reduction. They give it a name. Like, you're not a doctor, you're a health maintenance professional, like George Carlin said. It's not radiation, it's sunshine rays. It's not human composting, it's natural organic reduction. You're not broke, you're economically disadvantaged. Better known as human composting. 
It's seen as an environmentally friendly alternative to burial and cremation for human bodies. Kathy Hochul, the woman who looks like another version of Nancy Pelosi, uh, she might be an alcoholic, I'm not sure, she's totally nuts and crazy, Kathy, because I lived in New York, trust me, Kathy Hochul, uh, the governor, she has legalized it, signed the bill, and made New York the sixth state behind California, Vermont, Oregon, Colorado, and Washington to legalize natural organic reduction. So basically, human composting seized the body, put into a container, filled with straw and wood chips, and then it decomposes over a period of a couple of weeks. Advocates argue, according to Newsweek, human composting produces fewer carbon emissions than either cremation or burial, and thus is more environmentally friendly. It's all about the environment. But when we listen to what Micah Truman, the CEO of Return Home, has to say, he says that it's all about carbon dioxide, 540 pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere for every cremation. Now, personally, I'm not necessarily opposed to private jets, but I just I think it's strange that we're concerned with someone's last and final hoorah. The last thing that you do as a physical body in this world is get cremated, and we're reducing that. And what cremation means, it means that you're going to have the ashes, you're going to have a little urn. It's ritualistic, it's ceremonial, it's psychological, it's spiritual, it's religious, it's, it's uh, emotional. It's all those things to the family. And we've reduced all of those things, the emotion, the spirituality of it, the religious component of it, the, 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 um, the economic aspect of it. Doesn't, you don't have to pay for a funeral and go, do, go through all that. Reducing all that to... It's 540 pounds of carbon dioxide. You don't have approval to emit that through cremation. So what do you do instead? Well, we can compost the body for you. Well, I don't want the body compost. I don't want the body outside on my lawn or in some field. I want, I want the body cremated in, a year, in an urn so I can put it on my, my fireplace mantle or I can put it on a table so I can see with a picture uh, of my relative, I can see um, you know, their remains. Very morbid, sure, it's absolutely very morbid, but I can understand the spiritual aspect of it, the emotional aspect of it. In the same way, I can understand like human compost, like I get the idea of it, but where's the motivation coming from? Because it sounds like it's not so much about environmentalism or what's good for the planet, it's not so much about saving embalming fluid or not saving it, but preventing it from going into the, into the body, into the ground or other chemicals or the paints and the things that are on coffins and caskets and the, 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 the metals and the wood and all that. It sounds like it's just about carbon dioxide, which if that's the case, then consider this. If you take the 540 pounds of carbon dioxide, let's multiply that by two. What do you get? 1,080 pounds of carbon dioxide. Okay, let's, let's multiply that by two. You're going to get 2,160 pounds of CO2. Now, I'm just multiplying it by four to give you some perspective. The average private jet, the average private jet, not all of them, some of them a little less, some of them a little more, emits 2,205 pounds of CO2 per hour. So let's get this straight. Your grandma dies. 
you want to have your grandma cremated. So you have a cremation uh, process. You pay for it. You go through the process. Your grandma's cremation costs what? I don't know what they cost. Uh, probably not five dollars, but they're you know I don't know. In fact, we should probably look that up. Let me look. I didn't look that up before the show. Let's look up what a cremation costs. In the old world, they didn't cost anything. Probably uh, cremation costs. So, and it's definitely less than a funeral uh, for cremation. Uh, the average cremation between four. It's like two, four thousand. It depends on what it is. Two to five thousand dollars, according to cremation cost guide from the Lincoln Heritage. Two thousand to four thousand dollars. It's still cheaper than your average funeral and your average wedding, uh, which is anywhere between like, I mean, I've heard ten thousand for the wedding. It's like eight thousand, ten thousand for a funeral. It's very expensive. So it's a little cheaper. So grandma, you paid three grand, let's say, for grandma to get cremated, and they they burn the body, and then you get the ashes. Now, some people like Micah Truman say, hey, grandma's cremation emitted 540 pounds of CO2 into the atmosphere. That's a lot of CO2. The problem is, and I'm not saying Micah Truman, the CEO of Return Home, is doing this. I'm saying that people like Michael Truman, people who make everything about CO2, it's not even about chemicals anymore. It's not even about... um, organics anymore it's just all about co2 it's an obsession with co2 people like micah truman are also the ones that like pete booty say you can't have a gas-powered car just suck up and deal with the price of gas but if you can buy an electric car that's that's great we want you to do that even though you can't afford it unless you're wealthy but you get you know you don't you only get a tax break because it's subsidized and then the companies raise the prices anyway so taxpayers just basically pay companies to produce the same product it's why government shouldn't get involved in things. So 540 pounds of CO2 and people like Micah Truman are the ones that fly on the private jets that emit four times plus that in an hour. Think about the context of that. Someone like John Kerry, someone like Al Gore, someone like Greta Thunberg, Oh, she took the boat one time, and then she had to fly on jets, the whole crew, to, to, to bring the boat back. They flew them on jets to bring the boat back. It's all a con. It's a scam. So one flight, one flight for one hour, 2,205 pounds. That is more. That's 45 pounds more CO2 than cremating your grandma to put her in your house with a picture to remember her forever. Think about how they've reduced the human body during life. You're going to get people sick because you carry disease. You're going to get the planet sick because you carry carbon dioxide, although the planet loves carbon dioxide. Trees love carbon dioxide. It's their oxygen. But the idea that you're going to get people sick with COVID, you're going to get people sick with CO2, the body is a worthless thing. Just enjoy every pleasure you can get out of life with no moderation. Sex, drugs, alcohol. Stare at a TV screen or a computer screen 24 hours a day. Don't have thoughts. Let us do the thinking for you. This is modern scientific materialism. And modern scientific materialism doesn't believe that the corporeal has any purpose or function except to serve the system of scientific materialism or 
technocracy or transhumanism. They believe they should be able to use chemicals and toxins and poisons and drugs and machines and algorithms to control how you think and how you feel and how you act. Scientific materialism, not science fiction, scientific materialism reduces spiritual reality to spiritual fiction. It's like postmodernism. Nothing matters. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Just pleasure. Nothing matters. Just pleasure. Uh, there's a really good example of this, a really good message. If you ever watched the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, I think it's one of the best movies of, of, of last year. Um, and it's one of my actually one of my favorite movies. And the, the relationship in the movies between a mother... It's a mother and her and well, a mom and a, and a dad, but it's also the mom and her daughter. And the mom doesn't hear her daughter. And so I don't want to spoil anything. Her daughter plays this villain who has connections to every version of herself in the multiverse. Came out around the same time as Doctor Strange, which was strange because both movies were about the same idea of the multiverse. And in the multiverse, you know, she experiences everything, her daughter. So she, her character was Jobu Tapaki. Uh, or to Pakai, and she doesn't believe that there's any purpose to life. It's all just um, a, a meaningless experience. And they use this, this image of this black circle, or they call the bagel with everything, to represent the void, or to, to represent the abyss that people get drawn into. There's no purpose, there's no meaning, your husband doesn't love you, you, you have no connection to your family, nobody cares about you, just go into the abyss, and nothing matters. And but then the the theme of the movie is the idea is that you know the, the mom recognizes that fighting isn't the answer, love is the answer, um, and you know it's it's a real I I think it's a really good movie, and that's that's the kind that's kind of the idea. I mean, a lot of younger people have that have that mindset. Nothing matters. Life is meaningless. There's no purpose to anything. Postmodernism. Facts don't matter. Emotions matter. Everything's driven by emotion. And that's kind of the idea with the human composting. The, the human body is worthless and pointless. And it, it, you can get sick because of COVID or you can get the planet sick because of CO2, although the planet loves CO2. And you should just be composted. I mean, it for some people, I guess it could be a practical thing. But considering that when, when cremation was really sold, you know, cremation used to be a big thing. Um, some people saw it as morbid, but most people saw it as a green alternative and something that was cheaper to a, a regular old funeral. Now it's not that green. Now what's green is human compost, despite the fact that we just skipped over the part about green burials where you don't need to do any of these things. Just basic, natural, pure uh, funerary practice. Something that I, I, I'm, I'm all on board with. It's kind of like, when we've, when we've talked about fake meats on this show, genetically modified products turn into fake meats like soy and things like that, where they're like, we got to eat the fake meats to replace the regular meats, right? And then you have like no alternative. It's like you either eat meat or you eat the fake meat. And I've always sat back and said, well, what about like vegetable burgers or black bean burgers or azuki bean burgers or chickpea burgers or you can make, you don't have to use you know, regular meat, and you don't have to use the fake meat. You can just make a veggie burger. You, you don't need to have a regular fu funeral with a regular um, practice of embalming fluid and expensive caskets and all that. And you don't need to compost the body. You can just have a green funeral. 
uh, you can have a green burial. I mean, the green burial is, is like the veggie burger. There's another option. They just it's not politically uh, expedient to analyze that option. it's reducing the human body to, well, we'll talk about when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's the secret teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is David John Knight from ReverseSpeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teaching with Ron Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Well, there's no doubt that modern... Funerary practices, modern burials, and even cremation use toxic chemicals. They use resources. They emit CO2, all know. But when CO2 is the only focus, the only justification for doing more, quote, green things after death, then it's about ideology. You know, we've seen that Ideologically speaking, people that have traditionally been opposed to genetic engineering, geoengineering, not purifying your water, people that want to purify their water and eat organic, people like that have been reabsorbed in this this weird hive mind-like, computer-like binary response system where now genetic engineering is good if it saves the planet from climate change. Geoengineering is good if it saves the planet from climate change. I don't need to breathe in my, my, my spiritual essence because I could exhale toxic viruses, so I need to put a mask on. Some weird changes have occurred there, and that's both uh, politically and culturally. When you look at something like 
green burial. Green burial is a simple process. You put the body into the ground, and sometimes in a biodegradable casket, you dig the grave yourself, and you put it in a non-bleached cloth, or you could put it naked. You don't use any chemicals, no embalming fluid, and then you just let the body and the ground work together, and there's a reabsorption process. I attribute a true green burial to a vegetable burger because a vegetable burger doesn't get its time of day. What we discuss is whether we should eat meat or if we should eat the fake meat, which is part vegetable, part genetic engineering, or we should eat these totally synthetic meat. So the regular modern funeral practices uh, the regular process of embalming, et cetera. That's kind of like, and you could attribute it to either, but that's kind of like the meat. And then the alternative to the meat is the green fake meat. And that's kind of like the human composting, which pretty soon you might just actually be eating people as well. It might actually just be soiling green. In the middle, though, once again, the veggie burger doesn't get discussed. And you can do anything with these veggie burgers. Meat is just meat. You can, fake meat is just fake meat. You can do anything with a veggie burger. Sweet potato burger, black bean burger. I mean, the, the, the options are limitless. Just like with a green burial. You can dig the grave yourself. You can put the body in the ground naked. You can put it in with a non-bleached cloth. Put it in a biodegradable casket. You have a lot of options. Nobody wants to talk about the green burial. Nobody wants to talk about the veggie burger. They want to talk about meat. They want to talk about traditional embalming and all that. Or they want to talk about the alternative fake meats, the synthetic meats, the lab-grown meats, the genetically modified soy used to make the meats that are fake. So it's vegetable, basically, but made into some weird com compacted, compressed thing like a McRib, which is the human composting. This is just the example I'm giving you. This is how I think about it. There's always another way to look at it. In the same way that you know people have heart attacks every single day. 2,000 somewhere around there, a day in the United States, people die, die of reversible, treatable heart disease. Depending on what your viewpoint in the world is, that's either because of a vaccine or because of a virus. But before those vaccines and that virus, or those, uh, before those um, variants, people were still dying from heart disease. It's not because of a virus. It's not because of a vaccine. It's people were dying of heart disease because of lifestyle choices. And that is not a debatable thing. There's always a middle ground. And you're not going to get that from the right wing or the left wing media. And you're certainly not going to get that from the alternative media, which parrots the same kind of, I mean, there's almost like a third option now. It's not right wing or left wing. It's, you know, it's independent wing, but it's not really independent. It's all based on the same type of script coming from a centralized source, whether it's intended to be like that or not. The middle ground is there. You can be a green burial. Human composting is not necessarily a green burial. It's very morbid, and it offends our sensibilities in the West. It offends our spiritual views, not only in the West, but even in the Middle East, even in the East. Sages, yogis, Buddhists, Hindus, Christians, Muslims, Jews, etc. All agree that the body is sacred. So it should be preserved after death. From cleanliness to exercise while we're alive. Cleanliness of body and mind, cleanliness of what we put into our bodies, that includes food and water, and exercise, exercising the body and the mind, keeping the mind sharp, keeping the body fit and active. 
from cleanliness and exercise while alive to the preservation of the body after death, the body is sacred in virtually every spiritual practice. Earlier tonight, we read through a couple of biblical verses, and I also shared with you a little bit about what the Muslims believe alternatively to Christians and Jews. Psalm 139.14, Ephesians 2.10, 1 Corinthians 6.19-20, 1 Timothy 4.8, 1 Samuel 6.17, and Genesis 1.26.7. This is where we get the idea that man is made in the image of God. We are God's masterpiece. We are put together in the, mother, uh, the mother's womb. Our bodies are temples to the Holy Spirit. We should physically train. We should clean ourselves. Cleanliness is next to godliness. We should not be concerned so much with the outside as opposed to the inside, which doesn't mean that there's a contradiction here. It just means that the outside is the physical body. What matters is the soul, but we should still take care of the physical body because it's a house for the soul. We take better care of our cars than we do our bodies because it's a house for the soul. It's a temple for the Holy Spirit. Likewise, in Leviticus 17, 11 through 14, the blood is sacred. The blood belongs to God. If you're going to consume an animal, pour the blood out, bury it, cover it with earth. That blood belongs to God, the creator. That's Christian, that's Muslim, that's Jewish. Slightly different variations of the belief in terms of blood. But generally speaking, Christians, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, Hindus, etc. They all believe the body is sacred and they do things during life and, well, after life to preserve the body and to preserve the essence of the body. That's why it's not only morbid, that's why it's, well, for some people, it's actually kind of offensive, uh, and it's actually kind of non-religious. It's kind of sacrilege. It's a violation or a misuse of what is regarded as sacred, and that's what they're doing with the human composting. They're skipping over the green burial, and they're going right to the human composting. It's another one of those rubbing in your faces of an anti-human and... I would, I would say, it, I mean, this is like borderline, like Malthusian, uh, eugenics. Uh, it's borderline psychopathic because you, you, you know as well as I do that the people who believe this, the people in Oregon and Vermont and Colorado and Washington, California and New York, I mean, you couldn't pick six more liberal states. These are the people that are like, kill the child before they're born, like up until the point of birth. New York has tried to do that with legislation. These are the people that literally do not think that a child at 25 weeks is alive, but a virus that's never been considered alive is alive and can kill you. These are the scientists who believe that bacteria on the space station is life in a vacuum, that there's life on Mars but a baby in the womb doesn't, doesn't count. And I'm a circumstantialist when it comes to abortion now. I'm not pro or anti. But I'm saying that these are the same kinds of liberals in these six states, generally speaking, that they don't have concern for human life. They're pro-war. They have a very racist heritage. And they're very bigoted about virtually everything. They're the white liberals that Thomas Sowell talked about. And they're once again reducing divinity they hate religion. They hate God. They believe in the Stalinist view of science in the state. And they're reducing the body to nothingness. 
These are the people, these are the atheists that say the body, it's just worm food. It's meaningless. It's pointless. It's purposeless. There's nothing in life that matters. Just drink and smoke and have sex and enjoy life to the fullest. And who's to say you shouldn't enjoy life to the fullest? But when it's self-destructive and when you don't honor the body, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be religious to recognize something is animating my hands. Something is animating my body. There's something. It's not just physical nothingness. There's something animating me. And the thing that is animated is a sacred thing because what is animating it comes from source. This is the idea. So these godless, atheist, scientist types, not that scientists are all atheists, but it's that, it's that weird sect of liberalism, which is scientism, which is technocracy, transhumanism, eugenics, letting the state decide who lives and who dies. These are the people that are making the decisions to legalize human composting, to reduce once more, to demean and to degrade the sanctity of life and the sacredness of life and the sanctity and the sacredness and the divinity of the body and the soul. Besides that, there's no doubt that modern funerary practices use toxic chemicals. So how about an alternative? The alternative is called a vegetable burger, not Soylent Green. The alternative to meat and fake meat is a veggie burger or a mushroom. The alternative to a traditional uh, cremation or a traditional uh, embalming practice is putting the body in the ground naked or in a bleach-free cloth, digging the grave yourself, and then burying the body with no chemicals. That's the middle ground. And we know that it's not about what is good for the planet. We know that's not what it's about. We could prove that's not what it's about because one of the guys that runs the company in Washington, uh, Return Home, Micah Truman, he said he's concerned with CO2 because the average cremation costs 540 pounds of CO2 emission to the earth. 540 pounds. So the idea is not only that the body is dirty and sick and polluting while alive, but even after death, you're destroying the planet. And 540 pounds of CO2 so the family can have an urn. This is, this is religious. It is spiritual. It is emotional. It is psychological. So you can have an urn with the ashes of your friend or your relative, your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa. 540 pounds of CO2. Not a lot when you compare that and all the emotional baggage that goes along with it with the average one-hour flight on a private jet for people that fly around the world telling the rest of us that we can't have cremations and funerals because it's destroying the planet. The average private jet emits over 2,200 pounds of CO2 per hour. You want to do the math on a private jet that you take to another country around the world to lecture those people on why they shouldn't have industry, why they should not have air conditioners, why they shouldn't have cars, why they should just go back to the Stone Age and die? 2,200 pounds per hour. I mean, that means you, you know your average flight, I don't know what it is for a private jet, I think a regular uh, commercial plane, it's like a two, two, two to three hours or something is your average flight. You want to do the math on that for a private jet? Five, 6,000 pounds of CO2 for a flight for one person? Maybe a few people are on board, but one important person. 
They need to go around and lecture you on why you shouldn't have cars and air conditioners, but they can have a private jet. Funny, isn't it? Which means that you could, you could literally cremate an entire family, a mom, dad, brother, and sister, a traditional, classical family of four with a little boy and a little girl. You could cremate the whole family cheaper. That is, speaking in CO2 terms, than flying a private jet for one hour. Again, there's no doubt that the wood and the metal and the chemicals and the embalming fluid, all that's probably not great. And although it's not going to destroy the world, like, I'm not into that. I'm into a green burial. And I understand the reason Christians, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, Hindus, etc. see the body as sacred. The opposite of that is, of course, the atheists and the science-minded individuals who make science a religion. These are the technocrats, the, well, the, the psychopaths, the Malthusians, the eugenicists, etc., that believe they get to decide who lives and who dies, what age is the right age to die, who has the right to speak and who doesn't have a right to speak, and who is the master race and who gets to be genetically um, enhanced and who gets to be uh, considered by society standards uh, uh, important. And they get to make all the decisions. Not you, just a group of them like a Politburo. They get to make all the decisions. These are the people that believe and that tell us. Like all the the big-minded science people that, well, like Dawkins, for example, that, you know, it's just no purpose to life and the body is worthless and useless and just put it in the ground and just let it, let it just rot away and it's worm food and it's just no purpose to life and no point to life and why does God allow suffering and all these things? Uh, these are the people that ask you, like, are, are you know, aren't you... excuse me, the atheists that say things like, um, you're just scared of there not being anything after you die. And I say, well, I'm not a Christian. And I say that because I'm really not a Christian. I'm not a Christian, but I think you're scared of there being something after you die. I think you're scared of there being something after you die. I think you're scared of a higher power because you know that you didn't live up to expectations when you were alive. Because you did things when you were alive that were reprehensible. And you never asked yourself, which is what you should be doing for forgiveness. And you never let that thing go. You did really bad things to yourself and to other people. You have no sense of responsibility or self-awareness. You don't care how other people view you. You don't care how you affect other people. You don't care what you do. You're scared of there being something after life because you're going to have to pay a very high price for your actions in this life, for altering God's creation, for tampering with the natural world, for replacing organics with synthetics and artificials, for thinking that you can play God. And I'm telling you that I'm not even a Christian. That is my sincere belief. That's why those people are so miserable. That's why those people are so atheistic, because they know that what they're doing What they've done, what they believe is so opposite and contrary to source and to the universe and to creation and to life and all the good things in the world. That if there is an afterlife, they're going to be punished and damned eternally. So they, I think, believe still inside them somewhere there is a there is a period of punishment that the soul has to go through. It's not just here on earth. And they've done terrible things. And that's why I think it's why, because atheists don't want to take responsibility for anything. The body is worthless. It's pointless. Throw it in the garbage can. 
but it's a lot harder. It's easy to say that. It's a lot harder to view the body, to view the mind, to, to view the spirit, and to say, well, this body is sacred. Personally, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't get tattoos or piercings, but I mean, I, I, mean, I guess personally, I, I wouldn't want a tattoo because I'm a symmetrical kind of a person. I don't even like when I get marker on me, <laughs> so a tattoo wouldn't be good. Personally, I mean, tattoos can be sexy. Tattoos can be tribal. I'm not into tattoos myself, though. I'm never going to get a tattoo. I have thought about it, but I'm never going to get a tattoo. Plus, it's painful, and I don't, you know, I don't even eat. I don't even eat like processed foods. Really, I'm not going to get something injected under my skin. Uh, I'm not going to get a microchip. Not going to get a vaccine. Not going to get a tattoo. I'm not going to get my body pierced. That's my. I'm not. I don't have to be religious to have those views. Those are views I have. I just don't want to damage my body in those ways. And that's my view that has nothing to do with the Bible. That's just my view. So I can understand why some people actually believe those things. That they're hypocrites, of course. All the Christians that go to church on Sunday and then they're like, let's go get KFC, or not KFC, Chick-fil-A. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that when you eat at Chick-fil-A, uh, I'm pretty sure that's a violation of your, of your, your, biblical, your biblical tenets. <laughs> Should not be doing those things to your body. But that's okay. At least they're trying. And I'm trying, and I'm not perfect either. But I still see the body as sacred. Because if the body isn't sacred in some capacity, then there is no purpose to life, and everything just deteriorates and falls apart. Why do we do anything? Just for the pleasure of it? I mean, that means that nobody's safe from anything. I mean, that's, like, that's actually like the abortion argument. My body, my choice. Well, if you think that it's your body, your choice, then that is actually an argument for rape. That is actually an argument for incest. That's actually an argument for sexual abuse because it means my body, my choice, that argument could apply to a man who rapes a woman, his body, his choice. How dare you tell that man how to use his body? I don't care what you say. That's the exact same thing. That argument, that idea of it's only something that directly affects you when it doesn't directly affect you. Obesity affects everybody. Higher health care costs, more expensive health care. Obesity affects everybody. More people sick, so we can blame it on a virus, and I have to stay home. I'm not allowed to go outside of my house because other people are fat. It affects everybody. That doesn't mean that we should change our lives to align with some idealistic collective, cooperative. What I'm saying is, as you, as an individual, live your life and make decisions, those decisions affect other people. If they don't affect other people, then we don't have a society. If there aren't consequences for your actions, then there is no justice in the world. And if there is no consequences for your actions, if there's no society, if there's no justice, then none of this matters. And that means if none of it matters and there's no consequences and there's no justice, do whatever you want to do. And that advocates for, that promotes, that conjures a dystopian, apocalyptic, Mad Max, you name it, you insert whatever you want to insert there situation it means that you could rape somebody you could steal something from somebody you could covet something you could be wrathful and raging and none of those things matter because there's no consequence and there's no purpose there has to be consequence there has to be purpose if there isn't then and there is no purpose then we might as well just well well we just might as well kill ourselves and that's what a lot of atheists and technocrats argue these are the same people that are behind the human composting. Oh, it's so green, environmentally friendly. 
their big thick rim glasses and the two coats of paint on their face and their three 300 pound body beneath them. You know, those are the people that tell you, you ever seen those those like really heavy set people that are protesting for climate change? You're the one that's using more water. You're the one that's using more electricity and more fuel. You ever think of that? Those fat climate change activists? I have nothing against overweight people. I used to be overweight. I'm just saying if you're an overweight climate change activist, if you're arguing for these green things, you need to take a hard look in the mirror because you're using more resources. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't care. But if this is the argument, then there's a contradiction there. There's a lot of hypocrisy there. More water to clean your body, more fuel to get you around, less gas, <laughs> worse gas mileage. I mean, if we're going to go hard, we got to go all the way, right? So, so the, the point here is there's a middle ground in terms of green burial. Uh, it certainly isn't embalming fluid, and it certainly isn't composting the body. It's about, well, just putting the body in the ground and letting the natural process take over. That makes a lot more sense. That is logical. The other thing is Christian, Muslim, Jew, Buddhist, Hindu, doesn't matter. The view is, and they can all agree, that the body is sacred. And if the body isn't sacred and there's no purpose and there's no meaning, then nobody's safe from the most destructive acts of chaos. There has to be order and balance and justice uh, conceptually to some degree. So the body is a sacred thing that protects everybody. Everybody has a right to self-defense. So we, we, we protect ourselves, we protect our family, we protect our property, we protect everybody. That creates a society, that creates a, a positive thing in the world. When we step away from that, that's when we get chaos, that's when we get suffering, that's when we get pain, etc. Cremation and traditional forms of embalming and all that, uh, why we just skip over the green burial and go right to the human composting makes no sense until you realize it's the atheists, it's the technocrats, it's the eugenicists, it's globalists, it's liberals that have lost their GD mind, uh, who hate humans, who hate life, who see no purpose to anything, they're postmodernists, they're the ones that are arguing for human compost. Otherwise, real human compost, just you know, you could just put the body in the ground in a green burial and let it serve its purpose. But no, this is putting the dead body on a shrine like it's a saint and then reducing it to a vegetable garden, which maybe that's cool for some people. I get it. If, that, if, if that's truly your motivation, I understand that. But culturally, there's, there's a lot more going on here. And scientific materialism is just reducing the animated corpse to a spiritual fiction because they don't believe that there's spirit. They think science can solve every problem, which it can solve a lot of problems, but science also can prove things that scientists don't want to believe, and so they don't really believe in science. They believe in dogma. There's also these other green burial-type things. You can do a, a sea burial. That's kind of green, right? There's the mushroom burial suit. It's a head-to-toe pajama lined with special mushroom spores that consume the dead body. Or there's aquamation, which is water cremation, 95% water, 5% potassium, hydroxide or sodium hydroxide. Combination of alkaline waters and temperatures about 350 degrees Fahrenheit cause the body to dissolve. That's kind of interesting. There's also the mushroom casket, which is kind of like the mushroom burial suit. And then there's the tree pod. 2016, two Italian 
designers came up with the Capsula Mundi, which is basically taking the human remains, wrapping them in fiber cloth and natural fiber cloth, storing them in an eco-friendly egg-shaped pod. The pod is then interred within the ground and a tree is planted directly above it. The body releases nutrients and microbes as it decays and those feed the tree above. It would be, I mean, I kind of like that idea. That would be kind of like having, maybe we should have a cemetery where it's just trees instead of gravestones. And the tree grows, and then you know you could, you could hang you know the same kind of a sign on the tree, or put a little concrete thing there as well that says something uh, about the about the deceased. I kind of like the idea of the tree. Once again, something that like the human composting's trendy, but the tree pod that lasted just a couple of days. It's not it's not considered a green alternative as much as like a human composting thing is. So. Tree pod, that's kind of cool. Uh, I, I like the idea of just putting me in the ground. That's, I think, easier, less complicated, personally. Uh, and I, I also think that, you know, the, the tree is a, it's a practical thing. You're going to put the tree on top of the little pod. But I don't know what the motivations are of, uh, of everybody. I'm just telling you what I find. I'm telling you what I've read and I'm telling you my perspective from an esoteric point of view, from a theological point of view, from a spiritual point of view, from an emotional point of view. And I'm trying to be balanced about how we approach this. The bottom line is, if CO2 is the only reason for human composting, then we're kind of missing the point of what it means to be green. Uh, CO2, if that's the only thing that anybody's concerned with, and once again, we're dealing with this obsessive, compulsive, tick that people just can't get rid of it's co2 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 it's like they got Tourette's or something everything is co2 well if you're that concerned about co2 then get off the private jets that's really what you should be doing if you're that concerned with co2 no more private jets but it's, it's kind of crazy to suggest that right don't tell these people how to live their lives well exactly stop telling me how to live my life there's nothing wrong with the planet as George Carlin said, there's nothing wrong with the planet. Planet is fine. Planet's been through millions of years of earthquakes, volcanoes, tectonic shifting of the plates, magnetic reversal of the poles. It's humans that are in danger. It's human society that's in danger. It's why we look back 15, 16,000 years and we see potential remnants of human civilization during the last ice age, last uh, glacial maximum, or the Egyptian dynasties that reportedly go back to 30, 40,000 BC. And we say, no, no, they, 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 they couldn't have lived then because if they lived then and they were advanced to some degree and then they all died, then we could die. Our society's unstable. So everything we do must be harming the planet. We're destroying the earth. Things are changing. Well, it's probably more so the sun. Uh, it's probably more so the jet stream, tilt of the earth, the axis, the momentum, the speed. It's probably all those things. That's what contributes to things changing on earth. It's probably not our society, but we are concerned because, well, it's it's our society. It's us. We're alive and we could die and life is fragile. It's like going to a funeral and mourning for yourself because you know you're going to die someday. You make peace with death. That's really the core of the secret teachings, making peace with death, realizing there's something after this life. And that there's nothing to be scared of. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Please listen on the podcast or radio player of your choice. You get all the shows for free. 
you listen to the advertisements, then we get a little bit of money from that. If not, you can subscribe to the ad-free archive on the website, thesecretteachings.info, and support us that way. Or buy a book. Would really appreciate your support to start 2023. Thank you so much for those of you who have supported the show. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Broadcast.